This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, between us three lads, there's been a few late fitness tests at the podcast. And myself and Ross are, are pretty bogged down with a cold at the moment, but we've both made it on. So, uh, Ross, overall, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah, doing all well. And I do I do apologise to listeners if you hear my bogged down voice too much. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I second I second that apologies if that is the case. But we've both made it here, so it's not that bad. It's all right. But someone who didn't need a match fitness test to get onto the the uh, podcast tonight is Joe. Uh, Joe, how you doing, mate? Oh god, yeah, very to go. Really looking forward to tonight's episode. Lots of <laughs> great stuff to talk about. Car, can't wait to get stuck in. To be honest with you. Yeah, I know there's uh, there's so much good stuff to talk about tonight. It's hard to know where to start. To be honest, um, uh, let's start with Exeter away. Um, a well, I, mean, I don't know where to start really. It was such a it was such a fantastic performance. Um, I mean, if you look at the no corners we had in the game, and I think the two shots on target, one in each half. So we I mean, that's nice spread it evenly out there. It was um, a pretty a pretty abysmal performance to say the least. And obviously, all three of us were there to experience it. I um, I'm pretty. I feel like I never want to go to what Devon to watch football match ever again. Um, considering I've been to Plymouth through one five nil to be fair, but I've been to Exeter twice and I've seen this play absolutely terrible twice in a row. So but um I'll pass it over to these boys to give their thoughts on it. Or um Ross, how did you how did you find your experience in Devon? Obviously it was my um first time obviously going to Exeter. Um it's a, it's actually a, a nice ground for League One level. Um but aside from that, it was a pretty, as you said, abysmal day all round. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was shocking from start to finish, really. There, there wasn't many positives to take out of it, apart from seeing, obviously, um, Josh, the new signing up top, um, get on the pitch. But again, I, I think it's one of those results where, um, obviously, come the end of the season, you, you'll either regret it or you'll um, forget it. 
at the end of the day. And um, I think it's one result we've got to put behind us and uh, bounce back this Saturday on. Yeah, I think uh, I think Josh got thrown to the walls a bit in that performance, to be honest. He kind of brought on to change something and there was just nothing for him to change. It was quite a difficult one for him to take. Yeah. But, uh, but Joe, how did you find it, mate? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it wasn't great. Um, I mean, it, the, the, the response it's prompted, though, I do think is a little bit out of hand, which I'm sure we'll get onto shortly. Um, but, I mean, just looking at the odds, they, they were nearly odds on to win Exeter. They were 2.05 to win before the game, and we were 3.6. So, you know, it's not, for me, it's like not a huge surprise. We're probably a mid-table-ish team this season. And, you know, at the game, it, it, it was fairly fairly even, um, you know, going up to half-time. And you could argue that at nil-nil, we had the biggest chance of the game with Dara Burns um, hitting his efforts straight at the goalkeeper. Um but for me, yeah, the main differences were in the game. I was just, it's, the stat is, it's quite mental, really. We had 200 passes in our own half and 73 in the opposition's half. Exeter had 79 passes in their own half and they had 208 completed passes, this is, in our, our half. That is mental. That is, you know... It, it kind of shows just how deep we were set, um, how n- not even how we how deep we were set, how deep Exeter forced us to play, and how you know we didn't just didn't apply enough pressure onto Exeter, um, and so they were able to you know really get forward, really play some nice stuff. Um, they had ten shots inside the box, and um, I think they had it was about um, twenty crosses or something they had. But again, that being said we probably had the best chance of the game. You know, that, you know, in, in terms of we, we could have gone 1-0 up and then all of a sudden it's a completely different game. And so it's, it was one of them days where it never did look like we were going to get going. We create a good chance out of nothing. But then, you know, ultimately, if you don't take it, then then you're susceptible, you know, you're going to be on the back foot from then on. Um, and then it was a set-piece goal that was our undoing, which, you know, We've been really good from set pieces. I think that you know we haven't, from memory, we haven't. I don't think we conceded one this season. Yeah, that was the first goal we conceded from set piece this season. And last season, we were one of the best teams for defending set pieces. So that was really disappointing. Um, so yeah, overall, really not great. And I'm not trying to say that there's any you know loads of positives to take from this, but I just don't think it was like very very bad. I just think it was quite bad yes and i think um that nicely transitions us into what we're going to talk about for the main theme of the episode and it's in a way it's obviously with the, the fans forum at the club on monday it's kind of our own fans forum really and the fact that we wanted to get your guys opinions on what, what's going on and is there any uh, is there any main concerns that's going on with you guys and what you think those concerns are are we going to discuss it all um tonight um, but I think before we do that, we've each got our sort of individual points that we want to bring up. And I'm sure we'll have different opinions on that because we haven't actually conversed about what we're going to say. So it'd be interesting to discussion this. But I think I think I'll kick us off. And I think for me, it's just um, I think a few people actually mentioned this and I actually completely agree with this comment. I think it's Albie and Rob that mentioned it. I just feel there's a real lack of identity at the moment. And obviously, there's a several factors that play into this. And. I think the main thing is 
Liam Manning is not a manager. He's a head coach. He was, he was hired to be a head coach. He's hired to develop players and coach players. And ultimately, that's why we're getting so many of these young talents in. And obviously, last season, we got quite a few in. And this season, we're, you know, there's been some signs we've got some decent talents also. So he is, his main role is to coach these players. And I feel that he's not been able to do that. You, you can't you can't coach players on a literal coach. Um, it's it's not a thing really, and I'm sure he's trying his best. Trust me, but especially this past month, it's been such a difficult. Um, like us, us guys, I think we've done like 700 plus miles the past two away games. So those two long trips, you know, you're not going to have time on the pitch really. To by the time you've um, sort of rehabbed and got your energy back for the next game, you're, you're into another game, the Papa John's or the Cup or another league game. It's just there's no time to actually train these players on stuff. And I think Liam's kind of mentioned it in the, the depressing transition. Sometimes it's, it's just not happening. And it spoils my prediction later, but I wouldn't be shocked if he won on Saturday, to be honest, you know, Liam's actually got two to three days to coach these players for once. And that'll probably happen and happen in a way which you actually play better. And people will be like, Oh, what happening? It's Exeter on Saturday. It's completely forgotten. Now we actually beat Russell Rovers 2 three now and we're back to normal again in some senses. But, I think it's that, and it's also in terms of identity being a bit lost. It's the players resorting or resorting to the norms that they had previously from like previous coaches and previous regimes. I feel that instead of trying to actually be really brave and progressive with the football, which um, I think younger lads not struggle with, but they tend to be hesitant a bit sometimes. We've seen that through previous players at the club. I feel that we have just, all the players have just resorted to long ball football in some senses and that it's doing it for the sake of it sometimes. It's better than just dawdling on the ball, potentially making a mistake in a dangerous area, for example. And I think the the worst case scenario is what you see against Exeter, where we create nothing really apart from maybe one lucky chance that Dara should have scored. And obviously the fans react the way they do in most senses. And um, we, we, here we are where we are in terms of the league and where we think we should be and where we're not right now. So I think those are the main two things for me. I think it's Manning not being able to do his job properly, and the players, as a result, that the players aren't able to learn off him and learn off what the actual style he wants yet because with a hectic schedule and the World Cup coming up, obviously we're playing for the World Cup, but that's not the point. Um, and that's actually, actually another point in the fact that we're playing for the World Cup, so there's no break for these players to actually learn it also. So it's even, it's even more of a disadvantage for them. So, you know, I think I think we're going to have a bit of a break coming up with probably the, the Lincoln game being cancelled. But... It's just really difficult right now. And it's obviously showing in the results. It's showing in the fans' frustration in some senses. And yeah, I think that's my right over. So, um, Ross, do you want to take over, mate? Um, obviously, it's a bit of a weird one because of it's a bit, I'd say, harsh um, to say that there, there is a lack of identity um, because of we know what we're about now. And we, we, we saw it last year. And that's young, progressive football at the pitch. And it's football which gets fans off their seats. Yes, granted, this season hasn't worked out, and you mentioned obviously the young, especially the young players, going into their comfort zones and um, playing playing the safe ball instead of the um, the dangerous ball, if you want to call it that. But I feel like in that situation, especially at Exeter, this is where Manning needs to say to the lads, and especially this is the key part for me: the senior players. Senior players like Was, Bradley Johnson, Louis have to all come out and say, "Look, lads, if we want to get something out of this game, we've got we've got to start playing our own stuff." And yeah, 
granted, we're going to go against um, the likes of Sheffield Wednesday. We saw it Ipswich away from home where things aren't going against, when things are going against us. And it's just about being cohesive as a unit. And I think that's probably what we've lacked at times this, this season as a unit um, and play football together. And you, obviously you mentioned about Manning struggling to do his job properly, but at the end of the day, we knew what Twine and Darling, their ceiling was way above what what, what the club was at, at at the end of the window. So you need to understand like that they knew what they're getting themselves into at the end of the and end of the year. I believe we've had like what fifteen incomings throughout the transfer window, and um, I know I'm frustrated with the start, and I want to be higher up in the table. But I think you need a bit of perspective on the uh, window itself in terms of. I know, I know I joke in the stands about it, about gelling and um, le- letting the team obviously blend in with one another. But we also got to remember, obviously, Devoy, Burns, they've moved, they've moved country. And that that's what pe- some people don't understand. And I just feel it that that comment itself, I feel is a, quite harsh on the group because of, yes, granted, we've seen a couple of wins and they haven't been the prettiest of wins, but at the end of the day, and I'm not saying I'm not saying we're the perfect team at the moment, but when um, good teams play bad, they win games. And I feel, especially that Port Vale performance, I felt and Watford performance, I felt like we turned a corner. But obviously, obviously, um, there's going to be going to be bumps in the roads at the end of the day. And I just feel we, we've got we've got to give them time and let, let's hope in the in the back end of this season or the second half of this season we can really start to get going. I just feel it does need patience at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I think patience is a comment we'll bring up later. But yeah, you are right regarding senior players. I don't think they need to be the enforced on the pitch because Manning, he's, he's employed to that to a sense, but ultimately he he's admitted himself he's not the most vocal. And we need we need the leaders on the pitch to be able to do that. And as you mentioned, the, the players players you listed there are, are for me, those people. And if they're not doing that enough, then something needs to change. And it's obviously not dropping them because they're really good players, but mm. it's, it's a mentality situation. It's And yeah, I mean, no identity is, is harsh, but I think it it's kind of true right now. I'm, I think, yeah, Joe, what are your thoughts on it all? I'd probably lean towards the lack of identity, purely in the fact that we started off the season, you know, playing four. I know, know people say about systems, etc. But we started out playing wide wingers, and now we're playing Dara Burns and uh, well, who's it? Dara Burns and Connor Grant playing inside, weren't wasn't it? We're playing people, you know, uh, sort of. We're playing like the false tens um, behind the striker, like we were last season, like the box formation. And I don't mind the manager changing his tactics, etc. But it seemed after three or four games, we may be just sort of not abandoned the, the old system, the system we started the season with, but we, we did change it. And I think that it's a tricky one because when I look at the recruitment for the year, a lot of the recruitment does seem geared towards that formation and geared towards, you know, the four two three one. you know, signing wingers like Dara Burns and Nathan Holland. You know, I wouldn't necessarily, I think they're both capable of coming inside and playing more centrally, but you know, you'd probably categorise them as wingers first and foremost. Um, I think with Dan Kemp, you know, he can play on out wide on the wing, cutting inside or also in the middle. 
And, you know, we've seen Conor Grant being able to play out wide and come in a bit more and to play that central role. And then, you know, when you've got strikers like Griggy, um, Mo and Matt Dennis, you know, they're all probably capable of playing that um, role in the 4-2-3-1. And then obviously we've gone quite heavy on the central midfielders uh, as well this season. Um, I was actually having a look at last season's squad. I mean, this, okay, this this comes on to recruitment, so I'll save this bit for a little in a little bit. But yeah, in essence, I do think we're just kind of not lost a little bit, but it's just, I wouldn't be surprised if one, if, you know, there was say six changes for the next league game. And I genuinely think a lot of players, you know, people on Saturday, you didn't have Matt Smith, Ethan Robson, Nathan Holland, um, Dan Kemp, or, um, you know, and when when he's back fit, Matt, Mo Issa or Josh Cody, you know, or Luke Barry, you wouldn't be surprised if any of them started the next game and they were all on the bench on Saturday. So I think, um, you know, I think he probably doesn't know his best 11 right now. And you can add to that, that isn't helped by people being out injured, which is fair. Um, but yeah, it just seems, everything just seems a bit... It doesn't seem like we know exactly what we're going for yet. It just seems like we're kind of stuck between a couple of ideas. And I think what you see, you said about players being needing to be braver, etc. Yeah, I think we have seen that sometimes. These young youngsters, um, they have not panicked at times, but it's sort of safety first. Which okay, fair enough. We've not conceded any absolute howlers this season, but. It's not going to help you progress up the pitch and create chances if you're not, um, you know, really being brave. So um, I think it's an interesting point you made about actually now having some time on the training pitch. And uh, I think, yeah, we, we could see it could have quite a big impact. Yeah, there, there's certainly a lot to unpack. And, you know, the, the top the top point we've made is is recruitment. Um, you know, a lot of people mentioned it. Um, you know, Ollie, Jake Murray, Sean, uh, missing many names there, but I think majority mentioned that recruitment was the number one thing that they they had a bit of a concern with. Um, various points were made about, you know, Joe mentioned recruiting for one system. Um, there's been a real lack of, from what they've seen, is a player who can play through the lines, which I think in time will be devoid, but as of now, he's still very raw, he's still very young. Um, I was missing out on targets, was well reported about that. Um, and then relying on players like Jamie Cumming, who, as we know, is a fantastic league one keeper um, to sort of save us some sense of last season. Um, and then, yeah, and of course, awaiting the return of the likes of Mo, Tanai, McEachran, um, who you'd like to think we can cope without for now. Um, so who wants to kick off this section? Ross, do you want to give it a go? Yeah, can do. Um, did you want me to start on this at the recruitment? recruitment yeah, start all you like. Start all you yeah. like, mate. So... I do agree with that um, in a lot of senses, but I think especially with the, um, fr- uh, if you want to call it, the fr- the f- if we're playing three at the back or if we're playing four at the back, you're still going to have them wingers. So in terms of obviously Burns and Barry and all your Holland and all your other wingers who, who are out wide, um, it's going to be pretty much s- similar in terms of going forward and defending. I think the main issue is obviously... Um, Manning mentioned obviously um, playing four four at the back obviously meant that you obviously you're lo- you're lo- you're losing one player no you're adding one player up further up the pitch and yes I do understand that and um, I, I do agree with obviously the boys comments in terms of um, we've recruited for one system but in the same sense as 
I said it last week in terms of like why why change something which has had success, and I felt I felt especially with three at the back last year we we looked so good going forward and defensively. I just felt why did Manning try and change that in the summer? Um, I think he was trying to be too clever, if you ask me. Um, and then the re- recruitment of obviously the striker. Well, obviously we only know so much, but. Um, um, obviously, Sweeten mentioned about obviously missing out on some key targets, and I, I was disappointed and disappointed in the, in the obviously the late signing. I felt like it was a signing where we've we've kind of just said that oh that's fifth choice sort of thing, and we've we've accepted it. I felt um, there was several targets. Um, for example, I I like Bishop Colby Bishop. I know obviously um, Pompey got him in the end and. We, we, we would be competing quite quite high on wages with them. But if you want to get out of this league, you've, you've got to be prepared to pay that sort of money. But on the reverse side, you've obviously got Mo coming back. But that's back in, that's obviously come, um, in November. So there's counter arguments to each, obviously, side. But I just feel, yeah, I, I was disappointed, disappointed um, with the recruitment. Um, and then obviously relying on these, obviously, the key. Starters, obviously, you mentioned about Mo tonight and McEachran. All three of them were key in last last season's success. And yes, they will make a big difference when they do come back. But I feel I, I do feel um, it's a bit poor from Manning if he's waiting on them for success. Um, and they have mentioned about obviously giving the team time. But if you're relying on them three to give you success gives me the impression of that you don't have a lot of faith in your uh, depth in my eyes. But obviously, um, you mo- you boys might have different comments to what I think. Well, I think in, a, in an ideal world, we would have had a striker way before um, the time that Cody was brought in. So the fact that, for example, Mo um, being, a, being a highlighted player there wouldn't wouldn't be quote-unquote needed um, when he'd come back and he could be eased back in a bit like some of these younger lads right now. So... We're now in a situation where, okay, cool. Greg's scored a couple of goals against Morecambe, who are by by far and away the worst team in the league, stats-wise and eye-test-wise. Yeah. Um, we've got Coyote, who, to be fair, we haven't seen enough of yet. I, I think he's probably just start on Saturday and see how he gets on. Um, and then, yeah, Dennis looks all right. Um, I still think he's a, he's a support striker. Um, I don't think he's a main man. Um, but, of course, he's young. He's played non-league last season, so that's, that's not what's to be expected, to be honest. Um, and yeah, and outside of that, it's no one else really. So it's a, it's a tough one, and I hope the I hope the club have learned a lot of. I think I think every time you learn a lot of lessons, and I think this will hopefully they learn lessons from this one. I'm not saying you never spend on a striker that you don't feel is worth that money. That's a super strategy that will never work out. But it's you know the the demand to get out of this league is growing season by season. Clearly, well. Pompey would never spend what they spent on Cole Bishop two seasons ago. It would never happened, but no, they're they're allowed to do that because it's old harness and yes to a rival. But I think that's um, all by to be honest. I think that's fine. It's and look where they are now. Yeah, they're one of the better teams in the league, and maybe they're getting carried by his goals. But who cares? They're, they're still up there. So it's an interesting point, and yeah, and I think on tonight, McEachern. I don't think we should be relying on them at all. If, if we are, I don't think we are, but. Um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Joe sort of say what he thinks. No, no I don't think at all we're going to, we're relying on people to come back. And I think, you know, tonight and McKe- you know, 
we've got other wing backs at the club. We've got other midfielders at the club. So for me, that's just that's not um, what we're going for. Um, I was looking at just so in, obviously the, the recruitment is it's very much different from last season. And I was just having a little look at actually squads compared from this season to last season. And in terms of defenders, um, so this is only that are actually contracted to us. So I'm not counting loans whatsoever. Okay. And so last year we had, we basically got the exact same defenders um, minus Aidan Baldwin and Harry Darlin, and then adding in um, Jack Tucker. So we've got one less defender, but um, you know, that's covered because we've brought in a loan. So we're just we're pretty set in defence. That's fine. Um, goalkeeping wise, last this time last year we had Fish, what Laurie and Franco. Uh, now we've got Franco and we've got Ronnie. Just got actual contracted to the club. Now, so when it comes to the midfield and the attack, this is where it, it does become very sort of interesting in terms of players that. So what I've done is well, I looked at players that made like more than three starts last year. So that basically cuts out. John Freeman, Brooklyn Alunga, Lewis Johnson, Jay Bird and Jack Davies in terms of just like those fringe players. Last season, we had five midfielders and two attackers and they were Matt O'Reilly, David Kasumi, Scott Twine, Josh McEachran, Hiram Boateng, Mo Issa and Charlie Brown. They were the only people, like midfielders and attackers actually contracted to us. And so that's, that is what has left us sort of in the lurch at the start of this season because we were so reliant on the loans that came in. And, and you know, the loans did so well in January. We were only left with Troy Parrott, who actually probably didn't have a great <laughs> loan in the first half of the season, but really came on in the second half of the season. Um, so I look at it now, you know, we've gone from three centre-mid options. So before we had Matt O'Reilly, David Kasuma and Josh McEachran. We've now got Matt Smith, Josh McEachran, Ethan Robson, Dawson DeVoy and Bradley Johnson. And, you know, in, in the Cups, we're seeing Callum Tripp as well, who looks a real prospect. So we've gone from three options to five in central midfield. In terms of attacking mids slash wingers, we had Hiram and Scott Twine. We've now got Conor Grant, Darren Burns, Dan Kemp and Nathan Holland. And these, that, these are all players that are sort of... Un, the only one that I've mentioned so far that is under the age of... that is over the age of 25 is Bradley Johnson and Josh McEachran, right? So these are all really young players. And then up front, we've now got Will Grigg, Mo Issa and Matt Dennis, whereas before it was literally Mo and Charlie Brown as backup. So I'd say in all those three areas, the depth is so much stronger. Now, where the I think the issue lies is that last year, if you took our first 11, it was a match for absolutely any team. This year, one, I don't think we actually know our best 11, yet and two i think the seed like the the actual where our best first 11 is now probably isn't the top three in the league however we so what i think this season is is it's more a season of you know and and liam sweeten mentioned this they've we've been really aggressive with contracts and so for, for that that means actually we know that twine was on like a three-year deal i think darling was on a two and a half year deal so to me, that's actually saying we might have been signing some of these players on three or four year deals. This team is not with a view to get promoted this year. I don't think personally, you know, I know that, that, that we, we're going to get on to what, what the aims are. But for me, this is saying this is a solid base. And you look at the players brought in in terms of Conor Grant, 
Dara Burns. Um, and then you've got Dawson Devoy as well um, and Matt Dennis. Those five I've just mentioned there, I think that they're all 19 or 20. We're not signing, you know, we have signed a few, but people like um, last season, um, we, we had people like David Kasumu, Scott Twine, um, Hiram, you know, Charlie Brown. These players were sort of their early 20s. They were 21s, 22s. They'd already played a bit in the league, etc. Whereas we go in, it seems like we're going for that little step below in terms of age and experience, but potentially a high ceiling, a higher ceiling, potentially. So I think it's just a case of time. And that's not necessarily time in terms of gelling, but it's just time for the players. They're like 19. I mean, we've gone, we've sort of seen these players go to bloody Watford and deserve to win. Not, not, you know, sort of cling on for dear life and get lucky deserve to win and really put in a performance we then saw them go we, we went we were four unbeaten and you know and then we've just lost one game and you know okay we did lose it not in a great way at all but I think it's one thing to remember is these are young players and they're going to be inconsistent as hell um, so that's for me is you know with the recruitment I just think we're doing things differently this year and so I don't necessarily think that we're I don't think we've done a bad window by any means, but I just think it's just a different window with maybe a different long-term goal with more than a short-term goal. And um, just another thing as well, in terms of, if you want, the the finances and missing out on targets, I genuinely think we've, there's 11 teams that pay higher wages than us in this league. Um, you've got Ipswich, Portsmouth, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Peterborough, Bolton, Derby, Barnsley, Oxford, Charlton and Wickham, I, I think they all pay higher wages than us. They they probably pretty much all have higher attendances than us. They've all historically been in, um, other than Wickham, but Wickham are now owned by an American lawyer who's they've you know had a bit of money pumped in. Um, you know, we've, they've all been in like the Championship or even in the Premier League within the last ten years or so. They're just fundamentally just bigger clubs with bigger fan bases and more money so I just think yeah last year was amazing but you know it, for us to be missing out on targets I think that's more of a sign of we're not prepared to just make stupid um, signings that may jeopardise future windows so say we saw the we saw the fallout from Robbie Nielsen being allowed to spend willy-nilly what happened the next year oh we were left with an absolute you know shell of a squad that you know, Russell Martin, uh, I was under Tista when we got back to League One, you know, we were having to cut down and, and things like this. So, yeah, I think it's it's a it's such a weird one because, you know, they've saying that, we, you know, the goal is to get promoted. We do want to do this. But, I mean, I guess that leads us into our next point, doesn't it, Liam? Yeah, it very much does. Um, I think, and thank you, Joe, for that, by the way, it's really detailed. And, I think um, someone made a good point um, is at PDMKD on, on social media, on Twitter, and Manning and quite a few of the players, whether they wanted to miss it or not, pretty much said that promotion was the target this season. Um, and to be fair to, to be fair to Manning and the players, I'm pretty sure it was current players also that were there last season. What else are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, we're going to be worse than last season. Like, no, obviously not. So, yeah, but anyway, that was the, that was a target they set um, privately that they ended up making public. And obviously, I think um, 
make some points are made in in Liam Sweeting's sort of actually I mentioned Liam Sweeting's um sort of end of window presser in the fact that he's seen to kind of downplay expectations and you could almost say try and reduce the pressure off similar players and I don't know I want to get your guys thoughts on it all and I think we'll start with with Ross to give Joe a bit of a break uh, do you did you ag- not I suppose not agree but what are your thoughts on the ambitions now from when it was a pre-season to obviously here and now today where we are in the league? I think obviously because we've we set the bar so high and we went so many away games unbeaten and I think it was always going to be near on impossible to uh, replicate obviously last year. We know um, obviously we we sold Twine for four to five million and we sold Darling for a million and we saw Matt O'Reilly obviously going over to Celtic and performing the way he is. We, we knew we had pretty much superstars um, within a League One team, which shouldn't, shouldn't have been in League One at the end of the day. So obviously going on to this season and we, we saw how many numbers came through the door. And then I, I believe it was Ethan Robson who actually said that their aim was promotion. Um, I think for you to come out and say it, um, I think it puts pressure um, on the whole group in my eyes. Um, and at the end of the day, if if they're not aiming for the title, it'd be wrong for them not to at the end of the day. We, we know what, but you've got to be realistic. And I think I've noticed, especially with this fan base, um, a, lot of fa- a lot of our fans take everything proper serious. And if players are turning around and saying, we want promotion, they, they think we're going to get automatic promotion. And I think I mentioned it earlier about having some perspective on the whole uh, situation. And yes, you mentioned obviously Sweet and downplaying, downplaying, um, downplaying our expectations. And I, I, I do, I do somewhat agree with Sweeten. Um, I, I don't think promotion was ever on the cards for myself uh, in terms of um, autos, but my. Obviously, I spoke to you boys about obviously minimum minimum targets for the season. I thought probably top ten for, for myself. I know it's a bit um, obviously. I'll let you boys say where you thought, but um, I I thought about top ten, and I, I mentioned last last season about um, having that progression within the football club. But this season, we've had to take a few steps back, obviously through losing certain players and. I think, as Joe mentioned just a minute ago, and he he brilliantly put it put it um, in terms of yes, we've got a young squad and we've got we've got to let these players develop. And yes, I know it seems like we're pretty stagnant in League One at the moment. Um, obviously, I think we mentioned it. What fifteen seasons in League One out of nineteen? It's it's a pretty dull viewing, if if you ask me. But at the end of the day, we 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 know that. Upstairs, we're being looked after as a club, and I feel we're probably in our best position in years, maybe ever, um, in in terms of having Sweeten up there running the club, and we we know what's what's happening on the pitch as well with Manning. We know what he's like. Um, obviously, everyone's mentioned about how much hard work, so it's not like we aren't putting the effort in. It's just we, we've got to give it time, and just obviously going back onto the promotion target. I, I just feel. We've probably got to put that on the back burner for the, for the moment, and um, we've got to get behind the lads. And uh, let's hope uh, we could just have a positive season, really. 
Yeah, I, I think overall it will be a positive season. I suppose it's easy to say now because, you know, what is it, start of September and there's a long way to go, trust me. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of what's the minimum we should achieve this year, it's probably mid-table. Um, and that's that's probably a, a bit, people will hear that and probably be a bit annoyed, but I feel personally that's where we probably are going to finish unless something dramatically changes and, and players develop drastically this season. Um, I just, I just don't. Right now, there's not the quality there, and yeah, of course, you know, players will come back. Players will come in in January, and I think we'll pick up some form. And funnily enough, it, it might finish somewhat similar to that season. Russell Martin finished thirteenth. Um, we have a we have a squad where you know it's not perfect, but there's talent there. When we go into next season, we maybe not bring in the Twine and Darling again, but we we have players like that who have extreme talent to build on the talent we already have, and. Might make a push again. Who knows? But yeah, I think um, I think yeah, my expectations for this season of of course, I think they all all of us as guys have a drastically changed since the ball has been kicked, and it's not of course it's not a great thing. Um, but I don't think it's a crisis disaster moment thing. It's it is what it is, and you know it's gonna take time. Basically, as Ross said. Yeah, and I think one thing that um Ross just said there that, that actually kind of just yeah, I was like yeah, bang on is we're being looked after upstairs in terms of, you know, this actually plan this summer is more about, because, I mean, we saw what happened last time we got promoted to the championship, right? And that was when we had a team that was reliant on loans and barely any contracted players to ourselves. And I was just thinking, oh yeah, crap. What if we did get promoted? Like we would have had, obviously Mo as a striker, but Twine to Burnley, Let's face it, he still probably would have gone on because you can't, you know, you know, a Premier League parachute payments team, we, it would have been very difficult for us to kind of stand in his way for that. Darling, we, maybe we had a better chance of keeping Darling, I don't know. Um, but in terms of, you know, trying to do this rebuild when you're a brand new team in the championship, that could have been quite ugly, <laughs> just, just thinking about it. And I think that, Liam Sweet, and he mentioned that, he said we kind of knew actually that leading up to the summer, because of we had just some outstanding performers in, in the season, we probably might struggle and in terms of struggle to keep them. And that we were kind of looking at a cliff edge where there's not going to be that many players here. And so I think, yeah, we're protecting against that for the future. Um, in terms of expectations, I think I said, I'd hope we compete for the playoffs. Um, so I, I think I predicted us fifth or sixth, but I said, as, look, as long as we're just competing for the playoffs, then I'd be happy. Um, just to, you know, give you a, just to say though, Bristol Rovers, I think come November or December last season, they were 17th, 18th, and they happened to win automatic promotion. Um, I think Bolton Wanderers were similar a couple of years ago um, in League Two. And also a funny thing that both of those teams had in common was they both had managers that were really trying to play progressive football with a very young team. Oh, oh there's a few similarities there. Um, <laughs> you know, it, and it could, it could be a case of that. You know, it might not be. But I think it's maybe not even a sense of these players having to gel. It might just be just having, you know, having to develop. Um, but yeah, expectations, it's a funny old thing. And... Okay, you know, we're probably were more 
I don't know, biased if you want, towards thinking we would. I think every single team in the league, if you ask them, I, I think there's twelve teams in the league that genuinely think they can get automatic promotion or thought before the before a ball was kicked. I think there was twelve teams that thought they could get automatic promotion, and probably sixteen teams that said that they could genuinely think they could get playoffs. And I think that just shows you just how tough the league is as well. And um, yeah, I, I think they're right to downplay expectations, especially after the start we've had. Um, but yeah, at the start of the season, why you know you can't not say, uh, yeah, it was a great season, but I can't wait. But I really think we should be returning to our rightful place of eighth place in the league. They're not going to say that, are they? They're, they're going to, no. they're going to, they're going to, they have to say, you know, we are looking to just start, you know, continue where we left off. Um, but I think maybe, I think certainly with the window we had, it seems like a more long term view is being taken. And I, that, for me, that's probably the most sensible thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you say they're not they're not going to come out and say they're very honest. Trust me, if they say they're going to want to finish eighth or tenth this season, if they do do that, fair fair play, I would not be doing that myself. But uh, yeah, this uh, hey, fans forum next week. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, well, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, so if you're not going to that fans forum, um, obviously it's kind of our own one really this this episode. But yeah, make sure you do head to that. It's free entry. Um, everyone's welcome, as far as we know. Um, so yeah, get yourself down there for on on a Monday evening, and um, yeah, hopefully if you've not had your chance to get your question answered here, head down there and get answered by the, the men themselves. Um, so yes, yeah, it should be an interesting evening. This next point's interesting, and I, I'm sure we'll get a lot of different reactions to this one. Um, so Gary and and I quote him here when it, when he says that he feels the club have um, a mentality of a small club. So he he has referenced the examples of Luton and Brentford. And how he says they're quote unquote bigger than us, um, and uh, I add the point that both have surpassed Don's. Uh, obviously, the top flight of English football, of course, the second uh, flight of English football, um, and then I've also just kind of said, you know, do do we think they've been more innovative, innovative, or more forward thinking potentially, and how they've done stuff? And I'm very interested to get your thoughts on this one, Joe. Brentford have taken the best part of 10 to 15 years to get to the Premier League. They're, Matthew Benham, who owns them, he also owns a club in Denmark. Um, he was a, he's a professional gambler. He's put tens of millions into the club. You know, we, 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 I just don't think we have that infrastructure. I think we're trying to do, you know, we're, we're trying to implement a trading club model I think behind the scenes, you know, we've got some very clever people. And I think, you know, you're only as good as your people. And I think, you know, we're, okay, you know, we, if you look at it in terms of the small club mentality, only Ipswich spent more in transfer fees than us this, this, um, this summer. And they're owned by an American equity firm, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I think that's. I think it's harsh to say we've got a small club mentality because I think that we behind the scenes we. I know we've invested in people and we've invested in you know in talent and I think that you know we are making some smart decisions in terms of whether that be analysis and recruitment. We've seen um, you know we've seen people like I don't know a couple of seasons ago Reese Healy come from basically obscurity and and a couple of okay loans to all of a sudden you know, scoring 12 and 23 and then, you know, signing permanently 
and 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 going for big money and look what he's since then gone on to do so i think it's harsh to say we act like a small club especially given now that we are spending the money um in terms of transfer fees we know we're not spending the money in terms of wages but whether that's small club mentality or wanting to be more sustainable i mean i think the last accounts the club lost it was nearly i think it was just under a hundred thousand pounds a week that's is this is it a small club mentality to want to reduce that and you know how are you the hotel and pete winkleman aren't going to be there forever to prop up the football club the football club needs to be sustainable in its own right and i think okay to do that we might need to spend a bit of money to get there but it looks like we have been starting to spend that money and you know start doing this trading model so yeah i think just because we're not spending beyond our means i do not think that's a small club mentality if if that's what gary was on about but in my mind i think um you know we're trying to attempt what luton and brentford are doing but i don't you know we're, we're maybe two or three years into that journey we're, we're not we're nowhere near as down the line as luton i think you were you were saying about how long it took Luton to get through the pyramid, uh, Liam. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to bring it up now. Like, so from it took Brentford, Brentford were in League One in 04 05. They actually got relegated to League Two um, in 07 08. And then they got promoted uh, for the 08 09 season. It took them, what's that? Basically, yes. So five seasons to get out of League One. And then obviously, from admittedly, that was five seasons competing in the top 10 of League One, pretty much there, give or take. And then they went on to compete pretty well in championship every single time and then get up on, I think, like the eighth or maybe even tenth time of asking. But they even they look at Luton, for example. Yeah, they spent, I think, five years in the conference and then another, and then another four in League Two. Uh, admittedly, they, went up, they got to League One, went up in the first time of asking. But, you know, such an anomaly. That doesn't doesn't really happen at all. So, yeah, I think the, I think the examples given by, um, by Gary are pretty extreme. But... Yeah, I mean, I, Ross, I don't know what your thoughts are on at all, but it's, uh, it's an interesting comment to make. I, I, respect, I respect the question, but I think it's a ludicrous, ludicrous comment, if you ask me, in terms of their big learners. Um, we, we, we know how when we were formed and how we were formed. But why even try and compare us to a club which is... I don't know how old Brentford and Luton actually are, but they're a lot older than us, and... Just looking at Brentford, well, they, I believe they had Alan Judge, um, Romain Sawyers. Um, I'm trying to think of the League One team. Um, McCormick. Um, who else? And then we, if we look at their championship squad, they had more pay. They had Watkins. They had all these top players who who, who have moved on. And like just just speak about the latter two. They're, they're playing the Premier League right now. They sold them on for millions. So and they bought them for millions as well because the owner uh, put money this, into the this club. Is what we, this is what we're <laughs> up against. Brentford, Brentford, yeah, I think we've mentioned um, we've mentioned it before. We we want to have that model, but we, as Joe's just mentioned, we're we're right at the start. We can't skip that whole process. And for us, for 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 some people, or if Gary thinks we are a small club, well, I'm sorry sorry to say it, but we're not going to be spending millions anytime soon. So. It's harsh to say, but you've got to get used to it. And um, we, we we want to be a sustainable football club. And if it takes us five years to be sustainable and get into the championship, I'd rather it like that. 
because of the last thing we want is to get into the championship and fall back straight back down. I'd rather us stay in there for three, four years and build on build on that. And um, look at Coventry, perhaps just to, as an example. Yeah, ex- exactly, Joe. Exactly, and I just think that that comments are very, very ludicrous, if you ask me. And um, I'll take it with a pinch of salt. I'm looking at that Brentford squad that got promoted actually to Championship. It had a uh, the two centre backs, well, three actually were uh, Harley Dean at 22. James Tarkovsky at 20 James Tarkovsky. He was in League One as well. Yeah, and look at that. This, league, this, this wow. is the League One team. Yeah, yeah. Alfie Morrison at 19. There's John Egan there. Oh, Alfie Morrison, yeah. Um, and in the midfield, Stuart Dallas at 22. Uh, Alan Judge has mentioned. Um, <laughs> Charlie Adams mean, at man. age 19. Um, Will Grigg at front, of course. I don't think he played much, but, you know, so yeah, they didn't actually have a standout striker either. They had this decent, this very decent Yeah, but, yeah, but they had, they had like, championship players already, full yeah. championship yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, obviously, last, last season. And he owns another club, he owns a, a Champions League club, right, in, in Denmark, in, in, in FC yeah. Michelin. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, yeah, we, we're just much, much more towards the start of that journey. And if you look this summer, you know, as I said, we have been spending money but it's just we're not going to be stupid on our wages. Yeah. And I'd say if you looked in the championship, Brentford would have paid decent wages, but they wouldn't have been paying the same wages as, I don't know, your West Broms or your Sheffield Uniteds or um, maybe your Watfords if they'd been relegated at that time. Norwich. You know, they were sensible with it because they know that if they don't get promoted, they don't want to bet their future on being promoted. And you don't want to have to rely on um, you know, having an owner bail you out all the time. Yes, yeah. So that's the last thing any, any club needs, really. And we've seen a lot of ownership issues over the past couple of years and recently, of course. Um, I suppose all of all the past couple of comments have kind of led to this overriding topic of patience in, in the team. And as, as Ross kind of alluded to, I, I don't think um, a fan base of ours, and I think we're all um, sometimes a bit guilty of this, has a lack of it sometimes. And but I do I do personally feel, and I think um, Ken and Ryan, and I think a general perspective on this, they also, meant, also mentioned this, is that I think there's a fine line between having patience in a team and actually seeing a bit of perseverance and actually seeing a bit of a, a kind of a will to get out of that situation. And, you know, it's very, listen, it's very, very early in this, this squad sort of journey and how they're going to get on this season. But I think we have seen some signs of perseverance of course Joe mentioned the cup games um, of course but mainly how bad Morecambe were and it was still perseverance showing there they actually got a good result and actually played well um, and capitalised on the mistakes that Morecambe made but I mean Ross what are your thoughts how, how, do you reckon you've seen enough from this squad so far so they can actually do stuff this season or do you think there's still a bit more time left in that I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about this, the squad doing anything really this season is it is it I think a lot of what a lot of people and I'm guilty of it and you've just said it at the end of the games, I'll show my frustration and I'll be annoyed. And then half an hour later you'll have a chat about Not it. Not talk to actually, me for an hour in the car. <laughs> you'll, 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 you'll actually you'll you'll actually laugh about it and you you'll discuss about it and you, you see what, what's what and where, where it went wrong and all this. And yeah, again, I do understand what um about the the fine line between both of them, but I think if we if we didn't have that Watford result and we didn't have obviously that Morecambe result where we, we played them off the park, quite frankly, um, I think you could probably question it and say, well, look, 
we haven't had any had any glimpses of uh, positivity f- uh, within within the results. But I think that Exeter one, we'll, we'll know what we're about come Saturday if we get a result or not. And you'll, you'll see the hunger in the team. And I'm, I'm not I'm not questioning it at all. I, I do believe in this squad, and this squad will come good eventually. It's just as you say, it's these young players. You, not all of them develop as Scott Twine, and I think. I think because of we saw so many like Matt O'Reilly. I know obviously he came from Fulham, and obviously Darling he progressed so quick, and obviously Twine himself. I think we've got kind of got used to the fact that like all all, all our signings become good, and I think this season like Sweeten's obviously downplayed it, but he's also said like development's so key, and I, I think Manning, especially with his background, especially um, I think he's a perfect obviously fit for this squad and yeah I, ju- I just feel like we, we've, got, we've got to give it more time and if we see a few more extra performances in a row I, I will then start to worry but again we'll, we'll see Saturday and let's hope we can uh, bounce back yeah I mean Joe as Ross alluded to right football's an emotional sport right especially when you support a lower league team you know you you want to pass the ways you want a few hundred fans travels down 400 yeah. 300 miles you you know luckily for us we we do have quite a good relationship with the club in terms of the personnel inside the building. And, you know, we are really financially and emotionally invested into this football club. So it's, it's hard to see it's not do it well sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up to a year since I last missed an away game. Um, so it's just, you know, I've, I, it is, you know, I spend a lot of my time just, you could say wasting my life. Um, <laughs> but but um, no, like, you know, it's just, it's what we're all passionate about. So obviously, I think when it comes to talking about it, we're going to be biased. We're going to not be necessarily rational. I mean, if you'd have asked that, uh, each and every single member of that um, away end on Saturday where they think we were going to finish after that performance and then asked them today, two, three days later, I'm sure the answer would be vastly different, right? Um, and I'm not being a happy clapper fan or anything like that. I just think, you know what, it's one game. It's not that deep. Um and I think it's, like you said, it's, it is having patience. And, and, and it's, you know, obviously there's a fine, there is a fine line, I think you said. It, okay, if we're getting three or four of these in a row, maybe some questions need to be asked. However, you know, we've shown glimpses of what we can be this season. And I remember actually when we were um, lucky enough to be invited to the director's um, lounge for the Oxford game, Pete was saying uh, about how, um, it was when we played Oxford at home and we, we ultimately lost that game but he said like we, we had a season we started the season really well and then we kind of had a that was when we kind of hit our rough patch before then going on that mad run come towards Christmas because um, a lot of people forget you know for most of the season like we were sort of outside the playoffs it was just that mad run that last 20 games or so that really took us up there um, but Pete was just saying look these are young players so we're going to have games like Wigan away, but we're also going to have games um, like Doncaster at home. <laughs> you know, it's it's just how it is. And, um, you know, the team last year were capable of throwing in one like that. You know, it's, it's a young team. I'm prepared to give them time. I trust the people at the top. Um, you know, I trust Simon Crampton. I trust Liam Sweet and I trust Liam Manning. Why wouldn't you? Um, and so I think ultimately... You know, they're the ones that 
have worked in football. I mean, I would probably like to think that I know what I'm doing, but they're the ones sitting there in the office at Stadium MK while I'm sat in my bedroom talking about them on a, on a, on a Wednesday <laughs> evening. So, um, you know, there we go. Um, so I guess, oh, trust the process, I guess, right? Oh, here we go. Bring that out again, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The worst no, thing you could have said. <laughs> what a way to end it. Um, no, I mean, hopefully we do get a chance to do some podcasts at Stadium. That'd be nice. A uh, little wink, a little wink, wink out there if he's listening. But no, um, yeah. I think I think that's a perfect way to end it in some senses. In that, yeah, this 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 group of lads will come good eventually. It's just a bit, just a bit. Even if they the don't, even if they don't, we've got the people at the top who can fix that, right? But that's the thing. Like, you, you, I have that much confidence in those guys that I do think this group of lads will come good. You know, you don't just recruit. They're, they're good people at the end of the day, and that's the main thing. Mm. So long as you have good people in the building you'll more than likely be fine. It's when we have the bad apples in the building. Look at look at what happened with Tuchel today. Like, obviously, there's a whole thing about him. You know, he had a lot of personal stuff going on regarding um, his like, you know, marriage and things like that. But ultimately, he just fed out a love with the club by the sound of things. And, and, you know, and the new owners come in and they want different projects and they want Graham Potter, apparently. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But obviously, the immediate reaction was, that's a terrible sack and he shouldn't have been sacked. But people don't actually understand what actually goes on behind the scenes and all, all things like that. So it's, um, yeah, football's a mad sport and it's an emotional one. And uh, sometimes it's a brutal one, but, you know, we all love it. And uh, hence why... Sometimes we love it. Luke. Well, sometimes. yeah, sometimes. Most of the time we do. Um, and that's why, well, hopefully you'll listen to us and hopefully we provide a decent opinion of the club and what goes on. And, um, yeah, I mean, that that brings us to the end of our little fan for. I mean, it went on for a long time, but I think about an hour in the end. So... Nice little length there, but hopefully everyone got a lot of decent insight from that and what our thoughts are on it all. And hopefully we answered as many questions as we could from you guys. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see you all on Saturday. But uh, before we go, we've got a game on Saturday to preview. Might be quite a short one just because of looking at the time and looking at our schedules, but we'll get to that in a short minute. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first okay so back on to the uh the usual saturday tuesday action bristol rovers and saturday stadium mk uh the first of two games at milton Keynes in the space of well i think it's three or four days so joe obviously joe barton manages still manages bristol rovers a very controversial figure how's the team get on so far yeah, as you say, uh, everyone's favourite um, second manager, uh, Joey Barton, uh, is in charge of Bristol Rovers. And they've had a pretty similar start to ourselves. Um, they're one point above us uh, in the league, um, have been played seven, won two, drawn two and lost three. Um, they've so far scored 10 goals and conceded 11. Um, we've scored seven conceded eight, so um, they're a little bit more leaky than us, but they have found the net a couple more times. Um, yeah, I think with with Bristol Rovers, they've you know to, to be fair to Joe Barton, that Bristol Rovers do try and here we go. I've got my air quotes out. Play football. They try and play nice football. Um, they're playing a four-two-three-one, and. Um, and, and, and they do try and, you know, pass it around a bit. But I think they've found that this season, you know, the step up in level, they're not as easily able to maybe create chances as they were in League Two. 
Um, but they, they do have some decent players, um, you know, striker John Marquis we know a bit about. Um, and on the wings, you've got Aaron Collins and Harry Anderson. So some decent threats. Um, but I think yeah, they're a solid team. I personally don't think they're going to be dragged into any sort of relegation battle personally. Um, but I think they're a team that actually are going to try and play football. So hopefully we've got a bit of a nice game on our hands. And I think actually when teams do try and play football, it does suit us a bit. Whereas, you know, I'm not saying Exeter and Cambridge don't try and play football, but their teams that really get in your face, just make it bloody horrible for you. And we, we seem to have struggled against that. So um, I think it could be a game that's a good opportunity for us to bounce back. Yeah, I mean, going off what Joe said, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're just quite a slow and intricate team, like the ball in their half. They like control the game in some senses. Probably heavily dictated by how they play their games at home in the Memorial Stadium, which we'll have the joy of going to in the new year. But yeah, they're not they're not a team that creates lots. They're not a team that concedes lots. So just a, a very steady just league one side. And I feel that that yeah that probably steers them away from any worries about relegation this year. They're probably one of those teams which like 17th, 18th, like a bit like a, I don't know what teams compare them to last season, but anyway, a team that you, you won't consider for like a top half finish, maybe but you definitely won't consider them for relegation. And obviously a bit like us, you had a bit of transition in the summer, which I'm sure Ross will allude to, but yeah, it'll be a, I think a team, the one, the one glaring weakness is set pieces. I think they're one of the highest in the league in terms of conceding chances from set pieces. And I mean, Don's haven't been the most prolific by set pieces this season. They've scored the once, but they're, in terms of actually created chances and those set pieces it's been one of the lowest in the league. So I think if if I was Liam Manning, I'd probably try and improve that in some senses and try and get players in the box and cause some trouble. But um, yeah, overall, it's another team who we've been so early this season and days have been, it's, it's quite it's still quite early for most games. It's um, difficult to get a judge on teams, but Ross, who are some of the players that stand out to you from this Rovers side? Yeah, just some a uh, few quick fire ones. Obviously, um, Aaron Collins uh, plays on the left-hand side of the front four. Um, in seven seven games, he's got four four goals and three assists. So he, he's he's got decent returns, and obviously um, he's a Rover, Rovers Academy graduate, so um, he's one of their own. He recently signed a new two-year deal, um, so he will be key in the campaign. And um, Joe obviously mentioned about uh, obviously them staying up this season and I, I do feel like Aaron will be um, a key player in this campaign um, he also created 13 chances in those seven games also so Liam you mentioned about obviously them not creating too many chances but I think a lot of their chances come through Collins so um, it'd be interesting to see how we deal with him and then obviously Paul Coots um, the experienced campaigner um, I believe he was at Fleetwood last year might be wrong Um He's got a with Joe Barton, it would have been um, a couple of years ago, I think. Was it a few years ago? Okay. Yeah. They've also got look, Glenn Whelan in that in, in the engine room. <laughs> in the engine room, yeah. Exactly. Funny enough, that's what I put on about. Uh, oh, is this is this going to be the slowest football game ever? You got Lewington, <laughs> Glenn Whelan, Bradley Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and he's got a few promotions on his record, so uh, he knows what he's doing, and he's a, he's a very tidy operator in the middle of the park, and. Um, Obviously, Barton will be relying on him to. Uh, I don't think I don't believe they've got a young squad, but I, I, I think they've got an average age of about twenty six. So um, it's it's a pretty um, 
middle-aged squad. But yeah, it's, I, I do believe that there'll be a tough challenge come the weekend. I just wanted to highlight about the quotes of Barton to Danny Cowley <laughs> after he mm. lost. Um, about this is the Cowley team that's second boring, place Portsmouth, right? Boring four-four-two side and uh, how give it some time he'll be let them two will swap positions and I don't personally believe Bristol that all the gas <laughs> will be up up fighting for promotion but uh, I don't feel like they've got anything to worry about um, in terms of League One status. Remember how I mentioned football's an emotional sport, Ross? I think that's emotional. It's fine. It's right there. It's worse than me. <laughs> um, right, let's get into our um, lineup predictions. Uh, Joe, why don't you kick us off, mate? I mean, obviously, I, I've seen a few changes. I don't know how many from all of us, but who have you gone for? Um, yeah, I think it's... I haven't really got sort of a set team. I think in terms of defensively, you know, I don't think there's too much you would change or too much you can change, really. I mean, the only thing you could probably change is maybe bringing in Oyegoke for Lawrence. But I, I, to be honest, I've probably been more impressed with Lawrence uh, overall so far. So I'd probably stay with Lawrence. Midfield's an interesting one for me because you could play, in my opinion, anyone of Smith, Robson, Devoy or Johnson. I just do not know at this point. Um, I probably think he will stick with Johnson um, because we have seen, you know, Johnson in the... In the game at Morecambe, he really showed a high level. And um, also at the game against... He scored two goals, didn't he, against Port Vale. So, you know, we've seen some of what Johnson is capable of. So I think Johnson's probably the most likely. And then maybe I'd put... Maybe about Smith or an Ethan Robson. I think maybe Dubois will just get a get a little uh, sit to sit out. I mean, we do have game on Tuesday as well, bear in mind. Um, so, but I think over the the month, Saturday and the Tuesday, we will see a combination of all four of the centre mids we currently got fit. Um, I actually think he, there's a chance he could be starting Josh Cody up top. Um, I think their centre backs, Bristol Rovers, they're not like absolutely huge. They're not the biggest. Um, you've got Lewis Gibson, who is, um, yeah, he's 22 years old. And then you've also got, um, yeah, James Connolly as well, who's 20 years old. So, um, you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're not good defenders or anything, but I'm just saying maybe a different sort of threat than Greek. Um, but then again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Greek start again because he, he's been solid. But I think in terms of, I think one of them was Greek will start on uh, maybe Saturday and then another, the other one will start on Tuesday in terms of Cody and, um, and Greek, of course, because we've got Bolton Wanderers at home on um, Tuesday. Just mentioned that. Um, and then behind the striker... I mean, it's just going to be a combination of Grant, Burns, Kemp, Holland, or Barry, isn't it? So, take your pick, really. I, I genuinely, I, I don't think it will be Kemp, personally. Um, I, I genuinely could see it being maybe Burns and Holland. I think Holland needs... We've seen... I personally have not been impressed whatsoever with Holland. And and I don't say that lightly. Like, I think just from what I've seen of him... Mm, not not a fan thus far, right? But hey, we we know that he's got some talent. He showed it against us last season for Oxford, and he scored and assisted at this level before. So there obviously is something there. Could it be time to maybe get get that out of him? Yeah, I've gone with two changes from the game against Exeter, and they both come towards the top of the pitch. I've gone with Louis Barry and Josh Cody up front. 
Um, I just feel that, as Joe mentioned, Cody's perfect for this game. I think he causes a problem, or he should do anyway, if utilised properly. Um, and that relies on the rest of the team feeding him. And I think the addition of Barry kind of relates to what I said before in terms of I feel Louis Barry feeds off that target man a bit better than other players will. And um, here and Dara cause some issues, in my opinion. I think at Swindon, they didn't they play with a target man up front? There we go. So, so you know, he did quite well at Swindon with just playing, just playing off off a man. So that could could be good. Um, whether Mane does that, who knows? But and that's what I'd do. Ross, what about yourself? Um, I've gone through three changes. Um, it was originally four, but I'll I'll stick to three. Um, I think Devoy will get dropped. Um, just just we need some fresh legs in the middle of the park. I feel like is this is Robson's chance to grab this chance and make. Te- just give man in a headache, really. I feel like he hasn't got off to the best of starts, and um, feel like this is a game where um, he can make make himself a, a, well, make a statement really in the team. And then the other two, I've gone with Dennis up top. I feel like um, Bristol, a lot of Bristol Rovers' goals they've conceded, um, they actually turn over in their own half just through the press. And I feel like Dennis, um, he's a hard-working individual, and I feel like he he just doesn't stop running. Um, and I feel like it could be a, a big difference in this game. And then my other change was Grant out and Barry in. I feel Barry up this this season um, has been slightly underwhelming, but again, another one with a point to prove. And um, let's hope that starts Saturday. And uh, finally, gents, score predictions. Joe, I need to. I know you need to head off in a minute, so why don't you go That's first, fine. mate? A scrappy two-one. To, to okay. us, sorry. Yeah, I've got to say, who's that to? <laughs> um, no, I generally think that we'll win this game. Um, I feel that they actually have time on a training pitch once, alluding to my comments earlier, and I do think we'll win. Um, Score-wise, I think it'll be one or two nil, um, but I do think we'll win this game. Ross, what do you, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I, th- I think I'll, I'll go similarly with you, Liam. I think it will. It will. I think it'll be quite a nervy game, really, because both teams really need points. Um, obviously, we, we want the reaction more than anything. Um, obviously, points is a massive bonus, um, and I've got I've gone with a one nil Don's victory. Lovely stuff. Three wins across the board to cap off a well, an interesting episode. I think I hope everyone agrees with that. A lot of a lot of air's been I think released, and hopefully we can uh, we can push on now to get some decent results in the league, and uh, hopefully we come back next week with six points on the board and it being a bit more cheerful, but. You never know in uh, Milton Keynes football and MK1 in particular. Uh, but we hope to see you all at the next two home games. And until then, come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.